This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs. And the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome back to another episode the 20th episode of 1980 Now, a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope you have all had a fantastic week, and as always, thank you for being here with me today. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoy this podcast, and if it brings value to your life, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast to see interesting pictures, clips, and life updates about the show. Another way that you can support me is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help the show analytically and with the algorithm so that I get recognized by more potential listeners. Today, I am joined by a man who is one of the leading voices in fighting not only for you to be informed, but also for your medical rights and civil liberties. He is one of the creators of the BigVirusHoax.com, which has become a hub of resources on information spanning from the truth about viruses to vaccines and how to protect yourself from tyranny. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mike Singer of TheBigVirusHoax.com. Mike, how are you today, man? Hey, good. How you doing, Tanner? Pretty good, man. Like I said, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've been following your content for a while now and uh, your website, man, it's just such a, a resource farm, you know, for information that anyone might need to equip themselves to arm themselves with the facts in order to navigate this insane reality that, uh, you know, we're living in this, this insane reality that has been forced upon us. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, that's why we set out to develop that website. You know, when all this got started, um, you know, the first few months was just scratching your head and wondering what's really going on. Um, and when my buddy Brian and I, you know, were spending a couple months, talking about it. We actually first started off doing something kind of funny. We were doing this thing called the Mike and Brian show, <laughs> which people might stumble across it. It's still on YouTube. We probably did 20 episodes, but okay. years ago we had um, kind of a, you know, those crooked teeth you get at the store and we had some uh, um, straw hats and gray beards and hair. And we were just, we took <laughs> this funny picture of ourselves where we looked like a couple of hillbillies. This was like 15 years ago. And so we decided, Hey man, let's do the Mike and Brian show. And we'll act like these two, Hillbilly rednecks are, are, you know, our, you know, uh, executive producers, you know, and we'll change our voice up and act like we're rednecks and let them introduce us. And then we'll come on real serious and, and then seriously discuss issues, you know, sure. so we started doing that. And a few people thought it was cool and it might catch on. It was a good idea, but you know, it, this was such a serious issue that we quickly disposed of that. We didn't want anything funky, hunky, dory, goofy, associated with it because it's too serious of an issue you know it, it's it, this really is a serious issue it, it absolutely is and man i have so much respect and admiration for you guys for doing it so expand a little bit more on what got you started on this journey um maybe if there was a specific moment or you saw something on tv or social media what really got you started on your journey yeah okay so 
Brian and I worked together at a health food store um, back in 1984 in Miami, Florida. And just as a side note for fun, because there's a link on our website to Brian's, uh, he was on the Rosie O'Donnell show because he's, you know, to many people's amazement, he's actually a world champion handathon uh, professional. He's won over uh, 28 vehicles in his lifetime by standing, you know, with his hand on a car. They have these contests around the country called Hands on Hard Body, where if you put your name in the bucket and they draw your name out, you get to stand there with, you know, another 10 or 15 or 20 people, however many people they choose. And you stand with your hand on the car and they got different rules at different places. You know, you get a 15 minute break every three hours or you get a five minute break every hour. It depends on the particular competition, but he did his first one at a place here in Miami called Kendall Toyota. And I used to go there and bring him carrot juice and wheatgrass juice. You know, we were both working at a health food store and, um, you know, sure enough, he won the truck, you know, he won a Toyota pickup truck. So to make a long story short, you know, he and I kind of parted ways. Um, I ended up joining the Navy and, and, you know, he went on with his life and, uh, um, about, about 15 years later, um, I was actually working on a children's music project I created called Grand Staff and His Musical Friends, where I turned all of the musical musical elements into cartoon characters. And I eventually did get this book published. It's a hardcover picture storybook for kids to learn about music. It's got a coloring activities book and a musical CD and stickers. It's a great project. But the owner of the health food store um, decided that he would become my investment partner. So he was working with me on funding the thing. And back in around, I guess around 1999, um, maybe 2000, I walked into the store with Keith, who owned the store. He was actually in the process of losing his store because Wild Oats had come into town and put his business out. You know, he was like the big store in Miami for 20 or 30 years, but he unfortunately got put out by the big, the big uh, conglomerates, um, which is a, another, maybe we can have a podcast on, uh, on that one day because I'm a, I'm totally pro capitalist, but I'm, I'm anti mega corporation, you know? Okay. Yeah. But, um, anyway, it put him out of business. So all the funding, you know, that was going into my project fell by the wayside, very disappointing, but and that's a whole nother story, but I ran into Brian, you know, I went into the store and here comes this tall guy, Brian. And I said, Whoa, Brian, what's up, man. And he goes, yeah, you remember that car you helped me win? Um, back in the day, I said, yeah. He says, I've won 21 other vehicles since then. Wow. <laughs> I said, no, it was the O'Donnell show. So we became friends again in 2000 and we just clicked at that point and we just remained friends. So, you know, he was living in Alabama and I'm in Miami, but we were always texting, you know, back then it was, you know, AOL and, you know, instant messengers and, you know, MySpace. And, you know, we were keeping in touch phone calls and, um, you know, just over time I went out and helped him do a couple more contests. I helped him, win a couple cars and helped him win one in, in, uh, in, um, where was it? In, uh, Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois. And then I helped him win one in, in, uh, uh, in Florida. Um, not Naples, but Fort Myers, just north of Naples. Um, went with him to another one out in, in, uh, Arkansas which was, it was cool, you know, just, it was a kind of a neat thing being part of him. So he ended up winning a bunch more cars, even over the years we knew each other. He's like I said, he's won about 28. So it's kind of neat what he's done. Um, but about three years ago, we were in a conversation and 
let me tell you, I used to get the flu. Look, we're all different. Everybody has different habits, different eating habits. Some people drink more, some people drink less, some people don't drink at all, some people are heavy drinkers, some people smoke, some people don't, right? You know, everybody's got different lifestyles and whatnot. But to the most part, throughout my life, you know, I was an ocean lifeguard for five years and an EMT. So I was always very health conscious. You know, I, was, I ran track in school and I was always a health conscious guy. But I got the flu every year, you know, and when I got the flu, it was bad. I mean, dry, he was vomiting, diarrhea. It was miserable. So about three years ago, Brian and I were talking about something. And I probably said, yeah, man, I was sick with the flu, man. I had the flu bug. And he kind of laughed and said, Mike, there's no such thing as a flu bug. I said, what are you talking about? He says, there's no such thing as viruses. I said, come on, Brian, that's ridiculous. Of course, there's viruses. Everybody knows there's viruses. I thought it was ridiculous when he told me that. And this was, again, about three years ago. Because he's my friend, it was just like a some. It was just a small talk in passing, you know. It just, you know, whatever, man. You know that you can believe that if you want, kind of thing. And we just went on talking about whatever else we were talking about. And again, we went on maintaining a relationship. So fast forward three years, about a year ago now, you know, last January in 2020, when the only thing I was hearing every day on the television was virus, virus, virus. And, um, you know, I'm not a fan of Fox News. I used to be. To me, they're just as bad, if not worse, than CNN or MSNBC, all mainstream media. Right. They're, they're all just, owned by the same The same. Yeah, people. they're all owned by the same. They're, they're all corrupt, all of them, all the mainstream media. They're liars. Um, the television set itself, I can't stand it. But my dad, Preach. unfortunately, <laughs> you know, he's an older guy. He's watching Fox News all the time. Um, so, you know, I was listening to when he'd have the TV on, you know, all this virus, virus, and it looks like it's going to be a pandemic and just the cheesy, corny way they all talk and they're experts that come on and you could tell they're reading from scripts and they've got a narrative to sell. And it's just disgusting watching it, but that's all they were talking about. So whether you're a Trump supporter or not, and which is another conversation we can have, but basically, you know, I, I was a Trump supporter because from the beginning um, I was, I was, after Obama, I was never going to vote again. I, I was disgusted with the Bushes. I was disgusted with the Clintons. I was disgusted with Obama. The whole thing, it was just a sick, twisted, perverted, corrupt political system um, throughout the world and, of course, in the United States of America. So I was done with it. I wasn't going to vote. So when I saw this guy, Donald Trump, that really nobody had a problem with him, you know, prior to him running. He was just some, some cool guy that was a billionaire that had TV shows and he was friends with the media. He was friends with people in high places on both sides of the political spectrum. You know, there's pictures of him with the Bushes. There's pictures of him with the Clintons. I mean, what do you expect? The guy's a multi-billionaire and he flies around the world and he wheels and deals with everybody, you know? So the point is, you know, I became a Trump supporter only because he was not an in, he was not like some 40 year corrupt career politician. He was a guy that was going to come in and not be able to be bought out, you know, because he was already a billionaire and he was going to, you know, his platform was, hey, make America great. Let's, you know, protect our borders. Let's protect our sovereignty. Let's, you know, rejuvenate America, make America great again. I thought that was a, a great platform. I was all for it. Granted, a lot of people didn't like his style, his brash style, but I, you know, I'm a say it like it is guy. I just like to say it like it is. And I thought that's how he was, man. He just speaks from his heart, whether you like it or not. That's how he is. So I was down with that. Turns out Brian was a Trump supporter too. So when this happened, not just me and Brian, but pretty much anybody that was a Trump supporter viewed this whole talk about viruses and coronavirus as being just another, you know, 
they tried to do the Russia collusion on him and that didn't work. And then they tried to impeach him and that didn't work. So pretty much Trump supporters just looked at it as they're just using this, you know, pandemic as another thing to throw at Trump to try to screw up his economy, mess with him, you know, just screw with Trump, right? Sure. Um, sure. Especially with an election year coming up. What a perfect timing. Let's mess with the guy. So that's how people looked at it. But what happened with me was while I initially thought that was the case, I quickly realized, wait a minute. This is this is bigger than that because Trump's going to come and go, whether he does four years or eight years. I mean, and they're talking about a global global pandemic, you know, worldwide virus. I remember my buddy telling me there's no such thing as viruses, and I'm thinking they're talking about a viral pandemic. And at the time, last January, they claimed that this was a they were asserting it through the mainstream media as being a coronavirus global pandemic when there were allegedly no more than 3,000 people worldwide who had allegedly died from it and they were calling it a pandemic that made a red flag go off in my head and said wait a minute that, that doesn't make any sense at all so what it did was it was the two things together made me think okay here's all i'm hearing on the media is is virus 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 they're calling it a global pandemic my buddy Brian told me three years ago, I remember it clearly, he said, there's no such things as viruses. What the hell was he talking about? So I went on Google and I started typing in literally every possible question you could think of. You know, what is a virus? When were viruses discovered? Who discovered a virus? How were viruses discovered? Can we see a virus? How can we see a virus? What are viruses made of? How do we know what viruses are made of? You know, I mean, every possible question in my experience, I'm just telling you what my experience was, the more information that came back through the searches, the more it just seemed contrived. It was like like they were trying to like they were trying to make a narrative. You know, it just it seemed contrived. And there were contradictions. And there were a lot, a lot of contradictions, but the the three that come to my mind always right away is the first contradiction was simply the fact that you know I say all the time, people, people have an idea or an impression in their mind about what a virus is. And that's what it is. It's an idea. They don't know what a virus is. They simply have seen pictures that are, that are illustrations from middle school, high school, kindergarten, on the television, whatever, of little monsters with eyeballs and arms and legs and little mean looking teeth. And, and it gives an impression to people that they are that they are in fact micro microbial creatures, right? Kind of like bacteria, but but you know, tinier and different. But they're 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 nonetheless like little little creatures, right? That invade our bodies and infect us. Well, that's the impression I always thought. I mean, I don't know what a virus is. I've never seen one, but you know, I've seen you know pictures and illustrations and animations, and I know what they say they are you know, creatures that invade our bodies and give us, you know, sicknesses and, and AIDS and herpes and the flu and everything else. So um, it, it was, you know, different for me to find that all the resources were saying a virus is a non-living particle. Yes. A non-living particle. So Absolutely. So right there is, is like a good starting point to be able to say, if you fit, if you fall into this category, like most people do of, 
Well, yeah, that's pretty true. I don't know what a virus is. I've never seen one, but pretty much the impression I have in my mind is that it is some kind of a little creature, a bacterial microbial type of, you know, virus creature that attacks and, and infects. Um, then newsflash, a virus has no eyes, no mouth, no nose, no ears, no orifices at all, no openings. They have no arms. They have no legs. They have no wings. They have no digestive system. They have no reproductive system. They are simply a non-living particle. Now, there's a narrative they give to try to sell the concept of a creature virus. And that narrative is, oh, and here's where the next contradiction came in. As I was reading through this stuff, I'm saying, what a non-living particle, what? And then I saw this thing and it read exactly like this. A virus, because it's a non-living particle, can do nothing, comma, until it moves over to a cell, latches onto the cell, penetrates the cell, and injects its RNA into the cell, at which time the cell starts to replicate the RNA. Right. Anybody that's thinking... We'll say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 back up, back up. A non a non-living particle. So so on the one hand, I'm hearing you tell me it's a non-living particle. No legs, no arms, no wings, no digestive, no eyes, no ears. It's not a creature. It can't move. It can do nothing. And then in the very next part of the sentence, it's like a contradiction within one sentence, separated by a comma. It's like if I I'm holding a bottle of water water in my hand right now, I'm gonna set my water on the table. I just set my water on the table. Now, if I point to that bottle of water and say that bottle of water can do nothing, that's true. It can do nothing. It can do nothing. I cannot even say that bottle of water can do nothing until it. I can't even say that part of, until it. I can't say until it. It can nothing. It can't it. It can't until. That bottle of water can do nothing, period. Right. Maybe until I pick it up or I do something to it or the wind blows it down, but it can do nothing. I can't say that bottle of water can do nothing, comma, until it moves over to the edge of the table, jumps off and spills on my foot. I can't say that, but that is exactly the narrative they use for viruses. A virus can do nothing. A virus is a non-living particle and it can do nothing, comma, until it moves over to a cell latches onto the cell, penetrates the cell, and injects its RNA into the cell. That's a contradiction in terms. Anybody with half a brain can realize that. That was a contradiction to me. The next contradiction... Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. The next Sorry, contradiction was when were viruses... No, who discovered viruses and when were they discovered? And it alleges that viruses were discovered, you know, in the 1880s, 1890s. You know, um, I forgot the person's name, but they allege that the man discovered viruses in the 1890s, you know, based on uh, tobacco plants that were, you know, um, having spots on them or whatever. Um, but then I typed in, um, oh no, let me back up. One of the th things that I was repeatedly hearing from all the information is you can only see a virus with a scanning electron microscope. You cannot see them 
with a regular microscope like you can bacteria. Viruses are said to be 100 to 500 times smaller than bacteria. You can't see them unless you use a scanning electron microscope. So that started bringing up other questions in my mind. Wait a minute. When was a virus discovered? 1895. Okay. When, and then I just typed in for the hell of it. When was a scanning electron microscope invented? Because I didn't know. I didn't know if it was invented in the 1800s or what. So I know that I just got information that said viruses were discovered in, you know, 1890 and 1895. So when I typed in, when was the scanning electron microscope discovered? It said 1931, 1938. In the 1930s was when they were using them, you know, invented them, created them, were developing them and using them in the 30s. So if you can only see a virus under a scanning electron microscope, and a scanning electron microscope was invented in the 1930s, then how did they discover viruses in the 1890s? Exactly. That was a contradiction. So th these were just, remember, I'm just giving you the full rundown that at that time, I'm a guy who understood and believed viruses existed. But now because I'm hearing virus, virus, virus all the time on this, and it doesn't make sense to me, and it sounds fishy, and my buddy told me there's no such thing as viruses, I, th I said, let me look into it. So as I start getting all this stuff, I just saw these little things that seemed like contradictions to me. That's when I called Brian. I said, Brian, listen to this. You know, listen to how they're describing a virus. And he started laughing. He says, I told you, it doesn't make sense. So then he and I started saying, actually, it's true. Think about it. If you can only see a virus under a scanning electron microscope, I mean, really think about that. And now you got to put it in context too with the time I was doing this was when every day on the television, I'm hearing all these paid actor doctors talking about, well, yes, you may have viruses on your countertop. And if you use soap and wash your hands, it will kill the viruses. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, how do you kill something that's already dead? A virus is a non-living particle. How do you kill it? How do you, why, how can you even say you can kill a virus? You don't kill a virus. It's a non-living particle. You don't kill something that's not alive. That didn't make sense. You know, who are they to say a virus is on a countertop if you can only see it with a scanning electron microscope? Who are they to say or assert that there are viruses flying all around through the air or that they're on shopping carts at the grocery store or that they're on your car steering wheel when you're going to get your oil changed when you can only see them under a scanning electron microscope? It's a really absurd, preposterous idea to assert the, the concept of viruses when they acknowledge that is all they are is non-living particles that are not alive that you can only see as scans, still images, by the way, not video. There's no video recordings of viruses moving around and infecting things because there are no video recorders that that video record at that level, at, at, at electron microscope level. The, the only thing they have, what they refer to as viruses are scanned images of specks inside of dead, rotten, diseased, dying flesh or material. So now if we add a couple of common sense bonus points to this, one thing we all do know is that we can see microbial organisms under a microscope. So we know that's real, right? We right. can see amoebas. We can see cellular activity. 
we know that our bodies are made up of cells. There's a cellular structure to our organs, to our skin. We're made up of cells and we can see cells under a microscope. We can see cells at work under a regular light microscope. We don't need a scanning electron microscope. We can see bacteria, which is smaller than cells under a, under a light microscope. So the fact that we can see cells and we do know that our, our cells die daily as we, as we age, as we go through life, that's why a child looks different at 10 than they did at five and they look different at 15 than they did at 10 and they look different at 20 than they did at 12, right? We're, we're constantly evolving. Our bodies are growing and changing. That's why even people after they mature fully at 30 or 40, they look even different at 60 or 70. They continue to bloat and they get bigger. Their noses get bigger. People are constantly growing and bloating and aging. So we have cells that are constantly replicating, replicating. And those cells expire. They die. They're replaced by new cells. So when old cells die off, they don't just stay in our bodies. I mean, imagine if, if every cell we ever had just died and it was in our body dead. We'd look like freaking toadstools, you know? We'd look like some walking mold creature, you know what I mean? Right. So there's a process in the body called phagocytosis. Phagocytosis is when the white blood cells engulf cell debris. What is cell debris? When our cells die, they fragment. They turn into little teeny particles. There are your viruses. The only thing that they see under a scanning electron microscope are non-living particles. To say that those non-living particles are anything other than fragmented cell debris from expired cells that were formerly highly complex living structures made up of RNA and DNA and proteins that were functioning and working, but they died, they expired, they were replaced with new cells, and now they have begun to fragment and fall apart so that they can be engulfed by white cells and rid from, rid from the body through a process referred to as phagocytosis. To refer that those little particles are anything other than that is purely speculation. It's purely theoretical. It's purely an assumption. And here's the big telltale clincher. Not once have any of those particles ever been isolated. They have never isolated purified, separated those particles and said, hey, now we've got them, we've contained them. Now let's put them into a healthy creature and make it sick to prove that it's a virus. That has never been done. There are no scientific papers on it. There's no proof of it. It's never happened. So not only have they never isolated and purified a so-called virus, which is nothing more than a non-living particle, that is, that is seen as a still image taken from a scanning electron microscope. 
But that in itself is, is, it tells everything. That's never happened. They've never isolated a virus. No virus has ever been isolated. The CDC admits that the coronavirus, they don't have it. They don't have a specimen. There is no coronavirus that they have an isolated sample of, but yet they're promoting it. Yeah. It's all right fraud. There in plain sight. Yeah. That's right. Now, the, the, the fun thing about this is you can approach it even from a different angle because while it's true, no virus has ever been isolated, purified, and put into some creature or specimen and made to, you know, uh, make it sick and, you know, prove that there's viruses that do damage, that th there's no scientific data or evidence or papers or documents or process or proof of that. On that note, let me just point this out for the record. Um, there's a thing I like to say, I, I like to think I came up with it. Um, maybe somebody else has said it, but I certainly did come up with it because I didn't hear anybody else think about it. But it, it's again through just my rational thinking and looking at things um, and, and understanding as we all do, you know, the fact that there is such a thing as, you know, theory and, and, and you know, assumption and, and science. And there's even a word called pseudoscience. So this will help put it in perspective for everybody. Pseudoscience is anything that is based upon theory or assumption or models. That's all theoretical, assumptive modeling. Right. That's pseudoscience. That means all of astrophysics is pretty much That's pseudoscience. Right. That's, <laughs> That's right. Real science or true science is observable, measurable, documentable. You can document it and you can repeat it. And any other third party can do exactly the same thing. It's observable, measurable, and duplicatable, repeatable, and documented and it becomes a documented scientific process, which represents fact. That's what science is. Science sets out to establish fact, does it not? It doesn't set out to establish myths and fairy tales. That's what pseudoscience does, because they take theories and then they promote it as fact. You know, and, you know, obviously one of the big ones that's plagued humanity for many years, even before this coronavirus hoax came on the scene, was evolution, right? Sure. There's people that believe in creation. It's like the creationist versus the evolutionist, right? There are people that believe in a big bang that actually believe that human beings evolved from some slimy amoeba that just happened to come into being that evolved into a fish that evolved into a, a, a squid moving around and squirming on the ground that grew legs and started climbing a tree and became a monkey. And then the monkeys became gorillas. And then they started hunting and working with rocks and sticks and stones <laughs> and evolved into human beings. Right. It's utterly ridiculous. I mean, just looking at different races, you know, I mean, they talk about the missing link. No, it's not missing link. It would be missing links, right? You know, because otherwise all human beings would look the same, right? Because we all evolved from the same freaking monkey. Races alone prove that there's a divine creator, God Almighty. I don't like to use the word God. I always say creator because God is kind of overused and misused. You know, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, you know, Jesus Christ said, no, you're not that you are gods. 
you know, and, you know, you know, and we are gods. I, you know, I think the creator, okay, if we're, if, we're, if we're using the word God to refer to the creator, fine, but I just don't like to use the word God. I always say the creator. I do believe we're here by creative design, without a doubt. And to the extent, well, I'm kind of getting off track there. I apologize. But, That's right. you know, to, to bring it back to, you know, the virus issue, um, we, can, we can not only just, you know, case closed by saying they have never isolated a virus, but we can look into that. How would they isolate a virus? How do you isolate a virus? Well, what they claim is that they use a centrifuge. What they claim is that they're going to spin something and it's going to spin, 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 spin so fast, you know, so many revolutions per second that it creates bands, right? Because the heavier products are going to, you know, be lower and the lighter products are going to be up near the top. Even at that point, if they were to do that, how are they going to look at that with a, when the only way they could see it was, was with a scanning electron microscope? They'd have to put that tube in a scanning electron microscope. So, okay, let's say they can do that. Fine, they can do that. Well, first of all, to go back to the scanning electron microscope issue, which viruses can only be seen under scanning electron microscope, let's just throw a couple pointers on there. Anything that is seen by a scanning electron microscope has to be looked at in a vacuum because a scanning electron microscope shoots a particle beam that will be deflected by the atmosphere. So they have to put it in a vacuum. So whatever they are looking at and scanning is in a vacuum. And anything that's in a vacuum cannot be wet. You can't have moisture in a vacuum. Moisture will not exist in a vacuum. So they chemically treat whatever they're putting in the vacuum. So essentially they're taking dead, decayed tissues chemically treating it to make it chemically dry and then putting it in a vacuum and doing a scan and seeing a speck and claiming that that's the cause of a disease. It's, it's utterly preposterous. Not to mention going back again to isolation. They've not only have they never isolated a virus, but again, how would they propose to do that? I mean, Brian and I, we've asked Dr. Andrew Kaufman to come on with us, he's yet to do so. We've asked Dr. Shiva Ayyadurai to come on with us, he's yet to do so. Um, you know, I understand people that, you know, are fans of Dr. Kaufman and fans of Dr. Shiva, but this isn't about being a fan of anybody. This isn't about saying, you know, I'm a fan of Dr. Shiva or I'm a fan of Dr. Kaufman. Hey, if those fine gentlemen have some good truths to present, great, we'll take it. And thank you very much. And we appreciate you as a human being and a fellow truther. Um, but when they talk about things that, you know, which they've both have done that are also kind of unverifiable, you know, one of the things that Dr. Kaufman has done in many videos, and, and I love Dr. Kaufman. I think he's awesome. And he's presented us with a lot of great information. In fact, I think his video, um, Rooster in the River of, of Rats, where he completely goes over from A to Z, Cox postulates, and shows scientifically what the process would and should be to demonstrate if, if, uh, if any type of a micro, my, you know, microbe is, you know, does exist and is in fact invasive and infectious and contagious. You know, he's gone through the entire process to show what that process would be and showed again how that was not used um, for the, the, the alleged coronavirus. So they utterly failed. And even the rivers, posture, I believe it was the rivers posture, that's same thing. He, he pointed out the flaws in that. So it's all fraudulent. And he used the word malfeasance, and he's right. 
It's malfeasance. These people are guilty of crimes. They're guilty of crimes against humanity. Um, it's the biggest fraud ever perpetrated against humanity. Um, bigger than, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier before we started, you know, um, globe earth versus flat earth. You know, that was the biggest thing on the internet before all this virus stuff started. I mean, over the last five years, the most uploaded videos on the internet over the last five years have been, you know, the, the, the debate over whether we live on a spinning globe earth traveling through outer space or whether we live on a flat, you know, created plane under a firmament dome. Right. Right. Um, but again, not to go off track, you know, but to the extent that, you know, there are things that are worth looking into that, that, do not need to be and should not be scoffed or ridiculed, right? They should simply be analyzed and looked at with critical thinking and brought into consideration. So, you know, Dr. Kaufman did that extremely well with his video, Rooster in the River of Rats. I even told him, I said, you know, that should be used as evidence in a court of law, you know, to prosecute these SOBs that have brought on this global pandemic hoax upon the world. Um, and we know why they're doing it. That's a whole nother story, right? We won't get off track on that either here. But when, when Kaufman was talking about, you may be familiar with this, he referred to exosomes, right? Right, right. Basically, to paraphrase, he's basically just saying, and it's not just, you know, Dr. Kaufman, there's some other people, right? That have kind of, kind of it's almost as if because they do not understand viruses, and I think doctors and scientists are going to be more prone to getting caught in this trap. People like Shiva and people like Dr. Kaufman because they spent a great portion of their careers, frankly, believing that there were viruses or understanding that viruses exist, right? So they have to have some kind of way of rationalizing it or justifying it or coming up with some alternative, you know, way of, of describing it so that it doesn't have to be the big bad boogeyman, the invisible enemy. It, you know, it doesn't have to be a virus which has never been isolated. So Kaufman has theorized, you know, that, you know, th they look the same as a virus, an exosome, and they act the same. So maybe that's all they are, right? Maybe, and what does an exosome do? It, it leaves the cell. You know, it, it doesn't penetrate the cell like they say a a virus does to infect the cell. No, um, exosomes are created by the cell as, an, as a defense mechanism to go out there and gobble up poisons and bring the poisons back to the cell to be rid from the body. Again, the same question can be asked. How do you know that? You don't see them moving. You haven't isolated them either. You haven't isolated them and put them to work. So it, it's almost as if even the concept of exosomes is something that these science-minded science persons kind of either haphazardly or, 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 you know, inevitably, you know, just kind of had to come up with to try to make sense of it all because their whole lifelong career, there are viruses, right? You know, but now that they know no virus has been isolated, but yet they're still talking like there's viruses. No. When are they going to come up to the point like David Icke recently did of saying, wait a minute, there are no viruses, period. There's no such thing as a virus. The original 
Latin origin of the word virus means liquid poison. poison it doesn't right, even yeah. mean a creature. It just means a liquid poison, viru, or virus. I, I forgot exactly how to pronounce it, but it, it comes from Latin origin, and it simply means liquid poison. That's where the word is derived from, virus. So they've just turned it into like this concept of a creature, which again, going back to the beginning of our, our conversation, is an impression people have in their mind of what a virus is, and yet it's not even that. It's a non-living particle. And again, none of those particles have ever actually been isolated. And, and so again, we can go back to how would they even isolate it? How, let's say they use this, you know, um, you know, they claim that they put it on a centrifuge, centrifuge, right? And then, of course, they'd have to, to even see it, it would have to be put through a process to go into a vacuum to be looked at. And then even then, okay, so what are they doing? They're just simply looking at a bunch of strands of specs. And? And? And Dr. Shiva and Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Cowan and, you know, um, anybody else out there and Dr. Fauci, the fraudy, you know, who should be in prison, you know, and, and Bill Gates, show me your virus. There is no virus. And mentioning Bill Gates brings us down another avenue because we know that he's the father of vaccines and he's the father of eugenics. And his whole plan is simply to vaccinate the world so that they can start knocking people off. And yeah, we'll well, and, and on Bill Gates, you have to wonder if he kind of used his Microsoft computer systems to push this idea that viruses are this invasive creature because, I mean, we all know that, I mean, we've all seen our computers get, quote unquote, viruses, you know, in a technological uh, in terms of, you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Like, computers can get quote unquote viruses. And it just makes you wonder if this poison shot peddler, Bill Gates has used, you know, his software to, to push that idea to further oh, no like doubt. perpetuate that idea, you know, no doubt. And, and, you know, you're a young man, you know, 27, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm 55. So when I was your age was about when internet started coming out, you know, when people had beepers and, you know, they were starting to get computers and floppy disks and, you know, through your lifetime is when the whole thing has just taken off and evolved and they yeah. want to take it further. They want to take it to what's happening right now is technological tyranny. They're using technology to have mastery and command to play God over the people. That's what they're doing. Um, they're using tech. That's a whole nother conversation we can have. I don't want to get off track on you, but they're literally <laughs> using technology to manipulate and control people through oh, censorship. Yeah. Um, if you're not in accordance with their agenda, um, they're going to, they're using it for social engineering. They are literally shaping the future by steering and directing how people think, how people behave and how people act by the messages and the commercials and the signals and the software and the programs and the devices that they're putting out. Um, through technology. They're, they're shaping the social and political narratives. They did it with this past, again, whether you're a Trump supporter or not, the big tech companies definitely were anti-Trump and they were pro-Biden. They put hundreds of millions of dollars into promoting Biden. It was a 47-year corrupt career politician who was selling out the United States of, of America to China. You know, all the politicians have been doing that. 
You know, when Trump started running for office, he was despised by, before he started running, he wasn't despised by anybody. But when he started running, he ran on an anti-establishment campaign and a, excuse me, and a pro-America campaign. So all of a sudden the media became his enemy. And if you remember, both the Democrats were opposed to him and the Republicans were opposed to them. Nobody liked him because he was running for the people. He was running pro-American person, representing the people, representing the United States Constitution, representing the sovereignty of the United States of America. So whether somebody's for Trump or not, and I could get into a whole other conversation here because we've brought Trump into this. Trump, President Donald J. Trump knows about thebigvirushoax.com. He's been to thebigvirushoax.com repeatedly. He knows of it. Interesting. So we, that's why we have on our website, you know, it's just for fun. You can click on the link that says Trump versus Hitler. If you haven't seen it yet, you've got to watch it. It's a funny video. I put there, you know, there's that little German clip that people change the lyrics to for different things. They've been doing it for, uh, for years now, but I saw a few of them and I said, I need to use that. And I got the blank copy and put the words in, you know, for this whole election <laughs> process. Okay. But, you got to check that out. Um, sure, I sure. thought it was pretty clever. And, um, you know, it's to the extent that Trump, going back to me having been a Trump supporter, and I told you why I was, because I'm, a, I'm opposed to the corrupt political establishment and I'm all for, you know, make America great again and protect our borders and, you know, bring God back into our, you know, uh, communities and schools and clean up America and strengthen America and having a strong military. You know, I'm all for that. You know, I'm all pro, I'm pro I'm pro blue. I'm a blue guy. I'm pro police officer. I'm, you know, are there bad cops? Yes. I've been victimized by them, but to the most part, you know, they're mainly good, you know, and they're fellow human beings and they got a job to do and they put their lives on the line every day, you know, and they deserve respect. So, you know, there's all these little movements out there that, that try to muddy the waters and divide the people. Right. But with regards to me being, you know, stating that, that I was or am a Trump supporter, Initially, it was just I'm a Trump supporter because I'm tired of the corrupt career politicians. But over the last year, what happened was Trump did call this a hoax back in February. We have a short little video of, of a clip of him on our website calling it a hoax. Um, but he never really fully called it out completely like I'm doing now, right? There's not even a virus, right? Um, there's, there's literally no proof whatsoever that viruses even exist. You know, again, to say anything other than those non-living particles that can only be seen under a scanning electron microscope or nothing more than little fragmented cell debris from expired cells is a theory, a stretch, you know, a, a long shot, an imagination. There's no proof of it. And I want to get back to that point. So bring me back to that, um, Tanner, if you will, in just a minute, because I want to come back to that. You okay. know, the playfulness of how we can talk about how, how do they even do it? Bring me back to that. Sure. Um, but, you know, we put it on Trump um, because we, we, we basically launched, when we launched the bigvirushoax.com in April, we launched the bigvirushoax.com in April specifically to be, you know what? Hey, brother, you know, me and Brian, right? Brian just walked out, by the way. Um, cool. I'm here with you, but um, Brian is... Um, he was busy with some things. I'll try to get him to come in here and say hi in a few minutes. But sure, um, you know, Brian and I were like, man, we got to put up a website because 
we saw the Tom Barnett video. You're familiar with that, right? You know, from down absolutely, in Australia. Absolutely. Right. Yes, sir. And that was one of the first great videos that came out. And then he, what a great video that was that Tom did. It was just spectacular. You know, got a hundred thousand views in one day and YouTube took it down the same day and people were looking all over for it. And I was looking all over for Tom, you know, asking all kinds of people if they knew him. And then lo and behold, he finally came back, you know, a couple months later, some people were thinking he was freaking knocked but, off. That he got assassinated or something. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank God for people like Tom Barnett, you know, and, and um, bring Tom back up in, in a few minutes when you bring up the fun thing again to okay. about, you know, how, how would they even, you know, you know, um, these s s strands, right. Um, try to remember to bring Tom back up too, because I want to bring okay. a point up about the video we did with him. But to the extent that Brian and I said, you know what, when we see this video with she, Dr. Shiva had some good videos that, that were at least saying, you know, take care of your health and, you know, take vitamin C and, you know, you don't need to be locked down. You don't need to be wearing face masks. Um, you know, when we saw, started seeing, you know, Dr. Thomas Cohen and, you know, Dr. Tim O'Shea and Dr. Amanda Vollmer, you know, in, in Canada and, you know, Tom Barnett and Dr. Andrew Kaufman, all these people coming around. We're like, man, this is incredible. We have a lot to say. We know a lot. We've learned a lot. But there's a lot of other good resources. Man, we need to create a great website for us. It's our website. We can put our stuff on it. But we need to put the cream of the cream. We need to get the best videos of all these people that really mean the most, that are the most relevant, the most significant, and get them on there. So that's why we created the BigVirusOaks.com in April when we launched it. It was to get, to compile that information, to compile as much information as we could for the benefit of others. Because we were in the process of still learning, but we already knew quite a bit, but we were still learning. So it quickly grew into, you know, where it first started off, you know, let's get the word out about viruses and let people know what viruses are and what they're not. Um, now we're talking about, you know, they're telling people to mask up. Well, wait a minute. I'm not covering my vital airways. I'm not going to block off my vital airways and rebreathe my own carbon dioxide, my own mouth-filled bacterial waste in and out of my lungs. That's absurd, you know? Um, so, you know, we started looking into, you know, again, people's rights and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and federal civil rights and the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title III. You know, Peggy Hall, who's also just awesome. Peggy Hall. Yeah, she's amazing. With the, yeah, with the Healthy American. Um, she was kind of the first one we saw, you know, kind of pushing that ADA flyer, you know. Um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, little flyer that people go, go around and say, look, you're going to be fined. And, you know, under federal rights, I don't have to wear a mask. But, the, it you know, it was good to have, but it didn't really give the law. You know, Brian and I used it at a restaurant and the cop's like, well, yeah, that's great. But what law are you talking about? What law? I don't, that's not a law. That's just a piece of paper, right? And there was no law. It's like, where's the law? People keep talking about the law, but nobody was saying what the actual law was, you know? In fact, we went to another place. We have a great video recording where we went into a, a gym, um, whatever the hell, what's the name of that gym? Um, Oh man, Brian, what's the, what's the name of the gym he was going to? Anyway, we went to the gym to work out and, and it was just utterly ridiculous. You, you had to wear your mask to come in through the door, but then you take it off when you're sitting down doing your sit-ups or pumping weights. It was just ridiculous. That's we absurd, video yeah. The whole thing. Yeah, and the police came to the scene and the officer looked at the ADA form and he goes, oh, that's just something. Oh, oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our supervisors told us about that. That's just something that was printed off the internet. That's not valid. 
And I said, no, 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 that's not the point, officer. It's just a form to let you know that for religious reasons and for health reasons, we don't wear them. You know, oh, well, you know, this is a private business, you know, and they can choose to serve you or not. Well, well, no, officer, you know, that's not true because under federal laws. And then Brian and I are like, man, we got to get on the federal laws. So we spent an entire weekend, man, just digging and searching and researching. And we found all of it. We found 42 U.S. U.S. Code 42. We found the Americans with Disabilities Act Title III, started reading through the entire thing, printed it out. We found all the pertinent parts to it. And then it just started really coming together for us more and more. We're like, wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? Um, we discovered, and this is where it really gets deep, man. We met a fellow by the name of Steve. Um, I'll just say Steve for now, but he lives in Orlando. This man worked for NASA for 20 years. He was a musician all his life too. Um, for fun, is all he did on his spare time through his whole life was read jurisprudence law dictionaries, law libraries. He has digested every possible book throughout his lifetime just for the hell of it. And he started having fun going to court hearings and challenging and helping other people. So he's not an attorney, but he knows the law better than any attorney I've ever known. He's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And it's cool because he pointed out and he showed me in the law, he pointed right to it, he referenced it um, and, and brought it to our attention that actually – you know, it's pretty easy for pretty much anybody to agree that, yeah, you know, freedom, liberties, rights, United States Constitution, First Amendment, Second Amendment, you know, all the amendments, the Bill of Rights, right? You know, we're not even talking about federal civil rights at this point yet, right? We're just the Constitution, you know, don't violate my constitutional rights. That's where most people always were at, you know, without even really even knowing the Constitution. They just know we have a Constitution. Um, this man pointed out, rightfully so, that a government mandate, a government mandate only applies to the government. It only applies to the gov government employees <laughs> and to the government agencies that the government mandate is sent out to. It right. cannot apply to the public. It does not. It does not and cannot apply to the people. A government mandate is a mandate for the government. It's, it's a government mandate. It's a government mandate. It applies to government officials. It applies to government agencies. That's what it applies to. And they've been putting it on the people wrongfully, unlawfully. And most people don't know that. But it makes perfect sense because not only is it consistent with the law, and here's the best way to describe it. We are all endowed by our creator with God-given inalienable rights. God-given inalienable rights of sovereignty and individual freedom and liberties and rights, rights of sovereignty, God-given. Nobody can tell me what to do. That basic premise is what the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights protects. That's what it stands to, to, to protect. Now, I got it. I, I have another video I just put on our website. It's called The Greatest Conversation Ever Had in America. Because kind of like the conversation we're having right now. And I know that I'm talking and talking and talking. I know that's what you invited me on here for. Absolutely. Um, yeah, part of me feels bad about it. But part of me likes to do it because <laughs> I know I have a lot 
to share and I do want to get it out there. No, no, I wanted you I wanted you to rant and ramble and yeah, yeah. I mean it makes it makes my job easier too. So yeah, go do your thing. Yeah. So um those those laws of the United States Constitution Bill of Rights, they they they're not vague. Um but they're 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 being trampled upon and they are always being misused and, and mis applied, mistreated, mis, misappropriated. They're, they are being, people's constitutional rights are being violated. Um, and they don't even know it. And it's because they don't stand for the rights. And if you don't stand for your rights, they'll be taken away from you. You have to stand for your rights. But I guess the crux of the issue that, that I thought was most important in this video I just referenced, and, and it was a phone conversation. So it was just, you know, it wasn't a video. It was um, I was talking with a guy who called me from Colorado and he was asking me about these issues of law. And I, I just happened to get on my game. I, there's times when I'll start talking about something and I'm very laser focused and I'm on a roll and it just comes out. And that happened to be one of those times and his wife recorded it. So I really addressed everything from A to Z, top to bottom, starting off with, you know, the United States constitution, God given sovereignty, you know, and, and explained how that sadly and unfortunately sometimes even those constitutional rights are kind of easily taken away from us, you know, because they're almost like, you know, seemingly, um, they're not, they're not vague, but they're almost seemingly vague or, and I gave an example, you know, um, and I said that I made a claim against Dade County. I knew they weren't going to pay, pay out, but they've taken my life away from me. They have violated my rights with false unlawful mandates. So I, 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 sent my own claim. I, I sued him. I said, pay me this amount of money to, to compensate me for what you've done. Otherwise, I'm going to take it to court and then you're going to pay out $2 million instead of $250,000. Um, and of course, I didn't expect them to pay and sure enough, they didn't. But in my conversation with that agency um, that was representing the county, the woman said, well, what rights of yours have we violated? my constitutional rights? Well, we don't see where we, we, we looked over the constitution and we don't see where we violated your rights. Um, First Amendment right to assemble. You used an unlawful mandate to shut down businesses. I'm a musician. I go out and perform. I assemble. I go out and assemble with family and friends and make money. And you took that away from me by unlawfully shutting down businesses with no proof or show cause, with no Boom. show of cause. Yeah. You, you cannot show cause as to why you shut those businesses down, yet you unlawfully shut them down. You violated that's that's pretty target, right? That's so good, so good. Yeah, you violated my constitutional rights to assembly, um, and they did. Now, hopefully, we get a good jury trial when I take them to court, which I will in time, and we get that two million dollar lawsuit or more. Um, but that's the approach that needs to be had. Um, you got to you got to come back at them. Um, and of course, it's going to have to be done in the courts. You know, I didn't expect I'm going to write them a letter and say, pay me money and they're going to give it to me. But now, unfortunately for them, they are going to end up paying a whole lot more than I offered them to pay me without going to court. Might take a while, but that's what they're going to pay. Now, the good news is there's another set of laws that are not vague at all. And they're called federal civil rights. And I laid this out pretty much the way I'm going to lay it out for you here in my other video. Here's the cool thing about federal rights. They're not vague and they say it like it is. And here's the bottom line. You cannot be discriminated against. 
which is to say you cannot be treated disparately. You cannot be treated differently than anybody else based upon your age, your race, your gender, your religious beliefs, convictions, and practices, and your physical health condition, which may be mental, psycho-emotional, physical, or genetic. Yeah. Now, that's federal civil rights. That's 1964 Federal Civil Rights Act. It's also the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title III, um, because that one specifically covers a person's health. And in those laws, which I've read all through them, it, it very deliberately and purposefully states that the law is broad because it has to be. Because it is encompassing of mental, psycho-emotional, physical, and genetic. And a couple of the examples I used on this in that same video is what we've all learned over the last few years is that there are we, we've learned about these things in universities over the past few years, years called safe spaces, you know? My, you hurt my feelings. You're, you're offending me, right? The, 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 essentially, you know, again, whether a person's, I, I, I don't like the left-right paradigm, but there's truth to the left-right paradigm, right? Because the left-right paradigm has to do with immorality versus morality. It has to do with right versus wrong. Um, and essentially, the leftist mentality the, is the liberal, progressive, kind of anything goes. Um, you know, it, 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 the left paradigm is relative to... Um, a complete 180 oppositional position to the right paradigm of traditional family values, God. Um, right, right. You know, no, the, I'm, the, I'm right there with you in the right. sense that I'm not, uh, I don't subscribe to the left-right paradigm. I don't consider myself to be a Republican or a Democrat, a conservative or a liberal, but um, it's very clear to me, again, I, and I don't subscribe to that paradigm, but it's very clear to me that the the leftist worldview and the left, leftist agenda is full of contradictions because just for one, that's it's very glaringly obvious, is that they're always appealing to morality, but they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't have any objective source for the morality that they're appealing to. That's you right. know, the, the left... Uh, really touts itself as being this you know everything is about a certain kind of morality to them but again it's subjective they they have nothing to base it on so i'm right there with you you know even yeah. though again just to, to to further you know hit, hit that point is that you know both both sides of the of the the bird you know the right wing and the left wing they're both wings of the same bird you know right. um so yeah, I, again, I'm I'm right there with you on that. So um, I know that you one of the points that you wanted to hit on is 
you wanted to talk about uh, Tom Barnett. Um, I just wanted to point out with him that, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but you know, there's the great video that he made, but then we did a, a, a Zoom meeting with him. We did a few Zoom meetings with him, but the first one we did with him, we wanted to kind of clarify some things because in his first great video, he still used the word viruses, right? But he just said it in a different context. He says, viruses are an internal process. You know, viruses are, are, are internal. Viruses are, you know, created by the body to help repair damage. In other words, it was kind of, it was, it was that thing again where Brian took it as, no, Mike, he's, he's still kind of saying there's viruses. Yeah, they're not little creatures, but it's an internal thing. So, but where I was saying no, about it being a solvent, you know, so I think he's just kind of using the word virus to make the point that what they're calling viruses is just a solvent process, which could really be comparable to, again, you know, white blood cells engulfing cell debris and digesting that cell debris and emulsifying it and turning it into a solvent to rid it from the body. So, right. Well, and that's kind of the approach that I took on the episode prior to this one. It is an introduction. I was trying to introduce my audience to the germ theory versus terrain theory debate. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, I kind of took a similar approach that viruses are created by the body in an attempt to detox detoxify the body of, you know, toxins and impurities and other things like that. But again, you know, just like you said, you, you do kind of end up going down the road that, well, we just said that a virus has never even been isolated. It's never even been proven. So how can we sit here and talk about them being something that the body uses to detoxify itself when we, we can't even prove that it exists in the first place? So, I mean, right. I think that people like Cowan and Shiva and Kaufman, do you think maybe that they're just trying, and I didn't mean to get you off track, but do you think they're just trying to explain this process of detoxification that's happening instead of actually explain what a virus is or trying to explain this process. Cause I mean, we know that flus do exist because we've all had them, you know? Right. Well, it's funny you said that. That's another one we could touch real quick is when you mentioned the flu, um, that is the classic, that, that is the classic basis for why most people believe in a virus is the flu, right? Get your flu, seasonal flu shot, you know, the flu bug, right? The flu. Right. In a nutshell, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what the flu is because there are no viruses. The flu is nothing more than a natural God-given process of the body purging itself of toxins. Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly how I introduced my audience to that concept. And I right. pretty much said that word for word is that's what a flu is. That is yep. a natural process within your body to, again, remove toxins from it. That's right. But, but where do viruses come into play? How, how, where, well, they how don't. does that? They okay. don't because there's no such thing as them. So we shouldn't even really speak in terms of a virus when we're talking about uh, this detoxification process right because again something else right again i mean first of all if we know that the white blood cells are our immune system and we know that we get sick when our white blood cells are down and when we drink alcohol alcohol kills white blood cells so that would cause somebody to be more vulnerable to getting sick um and i could go off on different examples with that i don't know if you ever heard my example where i've told people flat out i mean 
people drank, man. It's like a social thing to drink alcohol. And I drank in my teens, 20s, 30s. And guess what? God's honest truth. I used to get the flu every single year. I mean, I was lucky if a year went by that I only got it once because I got it in the spring and I got it in the fall almost every year. And I was really grateful if I didn't get it at all for a year. I couldn't believe it. But then lo and behold, the next year I'd have it. And I'm talking fever, dry heaves, vomiting, diarrhea, utter misery for me, utter misery for three days, sometimes as much as five days. I always got the flu. And I was, you know, it's sometimes in my life, a heavier drinker and, 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 you know, throughout most of my life, kind of a social moderate to social, you know, drinker. And I consumed alcohol, some rum and Cokes here, you know, a few beers here, a glass of wine there, you know, margaritas here. When I go out to dinner, you know, I consume alcohol like most people do. And I got the flu every year. Well, guess what? In 2000, you know, when I was, you know, uh, you know, roughly 35, about 35 years of age, um, I said to myself, because I didn't like getting sick and because it was so bad. And throughout my life on the History Channel, Nova Channel, Science Channels, you know, I had heard on several occasions from different sources that alcohol kills white blood cells. And our white blood cells are our immune system, and it's what keeps us healthy. So I just kind of told myself, man, I can't stand getting this flu. I just, I can't stand it. Around the same time, I used to also get allergies all the time. And my dad was reading a book back in that time um, called A Cure for All Diseases. It's a book written by Dr. Hulda Clark. It's about three inches thick. And he told me, I told him I, was, I had runny, itchy nose. He says, I'll tell you what your problem is. He says, you, you, you're eating too many boxed cereals, you know, in grains, bagged grains. And sure enough, because I was trying to be healthy, I was eating you know, Arnold whole wheat bread, and I was eating, you know, honey bunches of oats, and I was eating raisin bran. And my dad told me, he says, you got to stop eating that stuff because it's loaded with mold spores. And mold spores is one of the most harmful things for the body. In fact, Dr. Hoga Clark points out that mold gags the white blood cells. So here's the truth. My whole life, from my childhood through my teens, into my 20s, into my 30s, Every year I had allergies, you know, twice a year, a cold, allergy, runny nose, itchy eyes. Oh, it's a hay fever. Well, my dad told me it was box grains and mold spores. I quit eating it and I never had it again, ever. Interesting. Um, at around the same time, about a year later, was when I also was not only tired of getting itchy noses, I couldn't stand getting the flu and I'd heard how alcohol is a poison. So I told myself, you know what? I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. I'm not going to let alcohol touch my lips, not for religious reasons, not even for health reasons, but just because I can't stand getting sick and I want to keep my immune system up. I quit drinking alcohol in 2000. For five years, I did not drink any alcohol and I did not get the flu once in five years where I had had it every year before that. Call that a coincidence. In 2005, December, a friend of mine had his 50th birthday party. I was at his house and his brothers kept egging me on to have some rum and Coke. I said, I don't drink. The more you tell them you don't drink, the more they egg you on. Ah, come on, man, have some rum and Coke. It's John's 50th birthday. So what did I do? I gave in. I had some rum and Coke. 
it smelled sweet, it tasted sweet, and I felt good, right? So I had another, I felt better, right? I thought I felt better, right? Well, long story short, I went back into social drinking into 2006 and 2007, buying my bottles of rum and, and buying my bottles of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Captain Morgan's rum and, you know, maybe occasionally, you know, getting something, something else. But, you know, I'd have some, you know, drink around at the apartment for the buddies to come over and watch basketball or football. And I you know, was back into social drinking and I got the flu in the spring and in the fall of 2006. So bad in 2006, fire rescue came to my house and took me to the hospital. And I literally thought I was going to die. I felt like I was going to die. I was dry heaving blood in my bathtub. It was awful. The next year, 2007, I had the spring flu. And in October, I had the, the fall flu. It was so bad. For five days, I was in my bed, laid up with vomiting, diarrhea, fever, dry heaves. And I told myself then, what the hell was I thinking? I will never put alcohol in my body again. That was 2007. That was 13 years ago. I haven't had the flu once. So I am living story. testimony. <laughs> I'm living proof. I'm proof. I'm, I'm the lab rat. I know from personal experience that it was my body's just reacting to finally that, that poison and that toxin building up in me. Now, granted, we all have different tolerances, but again, I have a friend of mine who was a heavy drinker and he used to tell me all the time to scoff at me. Oh, Mike, I drink as you know, all the time, man, I drink more than you, but I'm never sick, man. And yet I'd call him two or three times a year and he'd say, I'm in the bathroom, man. I got dry heaves and a fever, man. You know, <laughs> So people right. go into denial, you know, Absolutely. people are in denial about shit. The well, bottom I'm, line I'm is 27 years old. Like I told you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just going to okay. tell you, I've actually never had any alcohol in my life ever. Good for you, brother. That's good. Oh. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. And you don't need to. And now you, after hearing my story, I'm sure you never will. It's poison. It's poison Absolutely. in your body. Um, so anyway, yeah, that, that, you know, the, the Tom Barnett issue, I was going to say in, in our, that in our interview with him, I, I just put that to him. I said, you know, look, Tom, we wanted you to clarify, you know, um, you know, do, do you think there are viruses? You know, it's not a virus like a bug that you can catch, but it's like a bodily process. The body creates them or, or do they not exist at all? And he says, well, to be honest with you, at this point, I'm kind of like 50, 50. I don't know if I believe they exist at all or not. And that was after he had heard us kind of talking about the way we view it. Right. So then I told him, I said, well, look, isn't it tr fair to say that, that the, you know, I gave him that spiel again, you know, that, that our bodies are made up of cells, the cells expire, they fragment into little particles. Um, those particles are engulfed by cell debris and kind of digested or emulsified as a solvent, as you kind of indicated, and carried out of the body. So wouldn't it be fair to say that, that it's nothing more than that those little particles are nothing more than, you know, you know, cell debris from formerly highly, you know, complex cell structures. And he said, I agree with you a hundred percent. So he can't agree with that a hundred percent and still think there are viruses. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, and, right. And, and then to your point, like you said, how can you even say the body's creating a virus? You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's, it's like, it's, it's like a way of trying to come up 
It's like because viruses have been promoted for the last hundred years, and that's all people know, it's like people are just reaching for straws. They're trying to find some alternative way of describing it. So they're coming up with, oh yeah, viruses are a solvent. Oh yeah, viruses are actually exosomes. No, there are no viruses, period. There's no such thing as a virus, period. We get sick because of the shit we put in our body. And when our body reacts to it, we have white blood cells that go around and gobble up the poisons, period and cells die and therefore they fragment. And if they see little specks, that's nothing more than cell debris or little bits and pieces of poison that, that, the, that the cells are you know, picking up in, in your system you know, from all the heavy metals and plastics and, 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 and you know, artificial you know, flavorings and colorings and dyes and everything else you know, that build up in the body over time and the alcohol and the smoking and the ink people put on their skins for tattoos that the body has to contend with because that gets into the bloodstream too. Um, you know, it, it's, it's poisons, toxins, period. There's no such thing as a virus. Our bodies work just fine. If, if, if you don't put shit in your body, you're going to be fine. You know, um, and again, we know that the cells expire and they don't just disappear. We know that they fragment into little. We know that they're engulfed by cell debris to be rid from the body. So to say anything more than that is just, again, it's just like a, just making up a story, which again goes back to the fun part of the conversation. Early on, Brian and I would say, if you really stop and think on that point of of viruses or particles of any sort being so small that you can only see them with a scanning electron microscope. No matter what it is, if there's something that exists within us that you can only see that, 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 that only come to mind because all of a sudden they create this thing called a scanning electron microscope and they do a scanned still image of a piece of dead flesh and you see a speck that you otherwise wouldn't have seen. Number one, what a great opportunity for them to rub their hands together and say, hmm, here's an idea. Let's say that's where diseases come from, right? Um, right. So that's where it came from. But how would they manipulate those particles? How would they toy with them? How would they control them? How would they mess with them? How would they put them in a Petri dish? You can't. There's no way to mess with them. You, you can't do anything with them. That's one of the right. things that Brian and I were saying early on. We, we jokingly said, what, did, what do they do? They have, do, they have a, uh, do, do they have a scalpel that they've, that they've shaven down to 500 times smaller than a bacteria, the tip of it? And they're looking under a magnifying glass with their eyes and they're staring at the virus and they're prodding at it with that tip of that little thing that's been shaven down to, to 500 times you know, this smaller than a bacteria and yeah. that's being facetious because they wouldn't be able to do that. And if so they would, if they moved their hand a freaking millimeter, that would be like moving it a mile away from the freaking virus. How could, you know, how do they toy with it? How do they move it? How do they manipulate it? How do they play with it? How can they play with a virus? How can they right. play with anything that's that small? Something that's, uh, uh, you know, there's, I forgot the medical or the scientific term for it. And I, uh, AM or CM or an anti-micron type. I don't even remember the word, but it's, it's, I'll look the word up, but it's, it's, um, 
there's a word for it, right? It's a scientific term to describe that size. It's so small, you know, you, you need like nano, a regular right? magnifying glass to see a cell. And that's at a very high, high magnification, right? Right. And then you got to go to even a higher magnification to see bacteria. And then when you're looking at little amoebas, bacteria, things that are moving around that are alive, there's nothing else. You don't see anything else. Unless you take a scan with a scanning electron microscope, at which time you see a little speck. And again, for them, that was a convenient opportunity to let's just assert that that's where what diseases come from when there's no proof of it. And they've created an entire industry based on that. They make trillions of dollars off of the fear, selling hand right. soap, and sanitizers, and Ajax, and bleach, and Lysol, and, and you know, handy wipes, and germ killers, and, and kills 99% of germs, right? And right. You know, they're, they're making trillions of dollars with products. Well, that's what the entire germ theory and virus theory is all about. It creates this very fear-based and warlike um, situation. You know, when you're talking about health and medicine, it makes everything is invasive and you should be scared of the outside world. And you see all these people with their, they'll be wearing a mask along with a face shield, along with latex gloves. I actually saw that today at the grocery store. Yeah, it's sick, and dude. it's it's really sad when in these, these people, um, they don't understand that sickness comes from within you know exactly. it comes from within the body and they're focused right. on they're trying to put on armor to keep something mm -hmm. from the outside coming in yeah. and so it, there's just so there's so many warlike and, and political aspects to it i mean you have to wonder and that this could be completely baseless but when you look at the germ theory versus terrain theory debate historically and you look at all of the quote-unquote um, advancements and achievements in germ theory leading up from the 1800s into the early 1900s right leading up into world war one and then you have this word germs right or germ which is the root word of german you right. have to wonder if there's a political aspect to that right sure uh, this germ is this it's this invasive thing and you want to stay away from it and it's gross right and it makes you sick you have to wonder if there be i mean just historically knowing the, the world's hatred for the german people and stuff like that and now that's a whole rabbit hole that i don't want to go down but yeah. um it's just really interesting whenever you break it all down yeah. um and man any any grain of doubt that i had in the back of my mind you absolutely crushed it with all of your explanation all of your insight all of your wisdom I mean, you absolutely crushed it, uh, and I was pretty much 100% on board, but awesome. if, if I was 99.999%, well, now I am 100% on board because, um, yeah. yeah, just the, the way you explained everything, it just so brilliantly, it made it so brilliantly clear that there's just no room for viruses to exist in the first place. There's just That's right. no, there's no just possibility. Yeah, let me throw a shout out one more time for, you know, David Icke, man, because, you know, he's obviously covered a lot of the conspiracy theories and aliens and lizard men and everything else over the years. And he recently, you know, he said it is when you when you cross that Rubicon, when you cross the Rubicon and you're on the other side and you realize for the first time there are no viruses, it just answers everything. Everything's just answered. Um, it, it takes care of everything. It, it covers 
the political, it gets, it wipes all that stuff away. It just shows the total fraud, fraudulentness of all of it. And it gives you your freedom back because now you know you can no longer manipulate me with your fear tactics. You can no longer manipulate me through ignorance and fear. I'm no longer ignorant. I now know, I now understand, I know the truth, and I'm not fearful. And then it takes the power away from them and it gives you your power back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, Before we wrap it up, I promised my audience in the episode prior to this one that I would um, talk, I would go a little bit more in depth on the experiment that happened at Gallup's Island um, during the Spanish influenza, uh, quote unquote, pandemic. And so yeah. I'm going to, I want you to stay on, but I'm going to read uh, an excerpt from this uh, article from a website. And, um, and then we'll kind of wrap it up after that. Just the, this article pretty much perfectly explains the experiment. See, I had only mentioned it in the prior episode. So I'm just going to read uh, this little okay. excerpt and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Sounds good. This is from uh, ggenvic.com. And it says, it's a summary of the experiment and public health report. It says, perhaps the most interesting epidemiological studies conducted during the 1918 through 1919 pandemic were the human experiments conducted by the Public Health Service and the U.S. Navy under the supervision of Milton Rosenau on Gallup's Island, the quarantine station in Boston Harbor, and on Angel Island, its counterpart in San Francisco. The experiment began with 100 volunteers from the Navy who had no history of influenza. Rosenall was the first to report on the experiments conducted at Gallup's Island in November on December 1918. His first volunteers received first one strain and then several strains of Pfeiffer bacillus sorry, by spray and swab into their nose and into their noses and throats and then into their eyes. When that procedure failed to produce disease, others were inoculated with mixtures of other organisms isolated from the throats and noses of influenza patients. Next, some volunteers received injections of blood from influenza patients. Finally, 13 of the volunteers were taken into an influenza ward and exposed to 10 influenza patients each. Each volunteer was to shake hands with each patient to talk with him at close range, and to permit him to cough directly into his face. None of the volunteers in these experiments developed influenza. Rosenall was clearly puzzled, and he cautioned against drawing conclusions from negative results. Um, He ended the, let me see, blah, blah, blah. The research conducted at Angel Island, and that continued in early 1919 in Boston, broaden this research by inoculating with the Mather streptococcus and by including a search for filter passing agents, but it produced similar negative results. It seemed that what was acknowledged to be one of the most contagious of communicable diseases could not be transferred under experimental conditions. So that is the um, experiment during the Spanish influenza, the, the, alleged pandemic of 1918 to 1919 and uh, that was the experiment that i i had mentioned before and so i just wanted to uh dig into that for just a second for my audience and maybe you you might have some a couple of comments on that and then we'll wrap it up yeah no i i think that's uh probably a good place to wrap because i'll I'll end up going 
you know, down a whole <laughs> for sure. conversation. Yeah. For sure. But hey, again, man, um, everything that you said, seriously, like like I said, it crushed any grain of doubt that I had. I mean, awesome. um, yeah, you just you really exposed it, man. You exposed the lie, blew the lid off of the of the conspiracy. So um, yeah, let, let me let me let me just, you know, put this little ribbon on top of that. Um because I appreciate that. Um, but when you tell me that the way you do, which I do appreciate, it makes me feel like I want to tell you, Hey, thank you. Um, but let's keep digging. Right. Let, let's, oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's like Brian, Brian and I always say, Hey, prove us, prove it to us that the virus exists and we'll, we'll go virus, man. You know? Um, the, the, but that's the point we've looked at it so deeply and so critically which the last point, I, I didn't mention this earlier, and I'll just mention it for the record. Um, are you familiar with the book, The Great AIDS Hoax from Dr. T.C. Fry? I am. So I have never read it, but I have uh, watched interviews with T.C. Fry. Yeah. And yeah, incredible. It's so amazing. Yeah. So Dr. T.C. Fry wrote the book, The Great AIDS Hoax, back in the 80s. And that was what first got Brian going down that path when he read that book. But just so your viewers can know, um, we've seen that book um, online. Um, the least we've seen it available for was like $263. We even saw it um, on sale for $500. In other words, if you want the book, The Great AIDS Hoax, and you go online to try to buy it, you kind of can't find it anywhere You know that, that's not ridiculously priced you know like I, I believe that they made it so expensive to make it inaccessible for people that's exactly right that's what they've done i so also noticed did, today so, sorry to cut you off but i noticed today i was i was uh on amazon looking for the invisible rainbow by um oh my gosh what's his name Furstenberg is the last name but right. on like the the very first amazon link that came up his last name was misspelled instead of a G at the end of his name, there was a Y first and Barry. And it's like, how do you make that mistake? You know? And it just, it, the first thing that crossed my mind was they're trying to make it difficult. Absolutely. Yep. They're definitely doing that. But what, what we're trying to make it easy. So what we did was Brian actually took the time to photocopy every single page, including the cover of the great AIDS hoax and took the time to put it into PDF format and sent it to me, and I took the time to upload all of it onto our website. So at the you know, we have the navigation. If you're on a desktop, the navigation is across the top, and on the right, it says more, and then there's a drop-down, and there's a bunch of, you know, links you can click on, and, and down near the bottom one, um, it says the Great AIDS Hoax, and that's the page where we have the videos about AIDS, um, and the videos with Dr. C.C. Fry, as well, as well as Kerry Mullis, right? The man who, you know, invented the PCR test, who also questioned Exposed Fauci. AIDS. Right. Um, but that book, The Great AIDS Hoax, people can access it for free on our website. Great to know, man. Uh, speaking of your website, since we're wrapping it up, go ahead and plug anything that you want to plug. Maybe just say your website uh, name again to just really hammer that in. Whatever you whatever you want to plug, go for it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thebigvirushoax.com. Um, you know, um, pretty much what I would tell people is just there's so much information on that site. Um, you know, all the blogs that are there, I wrote all the blogs. 
Um, it just, you know, kind of like the way I was expressing myself talking with you tonight, I, I'll get up early in the morning with a lot of the stuff on my mind and I'll just try to articulate a good blog, but it'll be maybe, you know, two or three paragraphs, you know, not too long of a blog, um, sometimes even shorter, sometimes a little bit longer. But um, the homepage, we try to have, you know, the, the, the good stuff on the homepage. The, the link at the top says face mask dangers and law. Um, that's where everything I've ever articulated concerning the law is on about five videos that are right there at the top of the page where I've, you know, spoke, talked to police officers, um, police chiefs, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to communicate with the directors of police. I'm currently sending out um, uh, messages and emails with these videos to every sheriff in the state of Florida. Um, I believe we need at least one person in every state to take the time to do what I'm doing. I, I would personally send out these emails with these videos to every sheriff in the United States of America if I had the time to do it and the resources, but I at least did it in my own state. And we need to get these, we need to get these, the videos, the top five videos that are on that page, we need to get them sent to the sheriffs because we could save this for another, uh, you know, podcast sometime, but we could talk about, you know, what we know we have the, our rights, but now what do we do? And that's what I kind of could address with you in another podcast. There's an approach we can all take to take back our rights and get the system working for us like it should. We Absolutely. might save that for another podcast sometime. But yeah, the bigvirushoax.com. You don't even have to put in the word the. You know, that's the primary domain is thebigvirushoax.com. But we also have bigvirushoax.com, which simply points to thebigvirushoax.com. So if you just typed in bigvirushoax.com, it would take you to thebigvirushoax.com. But yeah, Perfect. definitely um, appreciate everybody sharing that site because we've really put a lot of great information there for people. Yeah, and I thought I would mention that when I Googled bigvirushoax.com, it was the first search result. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe um, that you I guys weren't getting is. censored by them. But yeah, like hey. Google? Yeah, that today that was my experience. <laughs> well, 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 wait a minute, because you know sometimes people get confused between typing something in a URL and typing something in a search. Did you do it as a search or did you type it in the URL? Let me see. Let me. I'm on Google right now. I'm going to type in big virus hoax as a search in the Google search bar. Not not in the. Uh... And, okay, and you're doing it all as one word or separating the words. Uh, all is one word right now. All one word. Bigvirushoax.com. Yep, that's first first result, and then your oh, Facebook well, is the I'm second. I'm surprised one. Google isn't banning that, but but um, yeah, it, I guess the reason it is coming up is because it's simply, you know, it's an actual website. Um, sure. But I I would venture if you tried to look for you know if you just put in virus, and then skipped and put a hoax like virus hoax, see what comes up with that, and probably nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all just the the mainstream stuff, you know, talking right. about the pandemic video and fact right, checkers right. and just the the you know usual bullcrap. Exactly. Well, uh, again, Mike, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, you you yeah, invested Tana, so much you. time and energy into this, and um, I just really appreciate you. I know it's late where you are, and so um, again, man, it, it was a pleasure. So we'll have to yeah, do it again here. sometime. Yeah, sure thing, man. I appreciate it as well. And thank you. And thank you to the audience for listening. And um, good luck to you, man. And I'm, I'm sure your your podcast is going to grow, grow, grow. I, I wish you the best with it. And I know it will because you got the right attitude about it. So I know it's going to be successful for you. And you're promoting good, positive stuff. So it's bound to be.
Found to be good. Hey, I appreciate that, Mike. Well, thanks again, and good luck to you guys as well. I'm sure our pals will cross again in the future. All right, listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast. That's 1980 underscore podcast. And if you really, really like the podcast, you can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and maybe I'll read it on the show. As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping a week from now, so be sure to stay tuned. All right, guys, y'all already know. I'll see you next time. Stay free. Stay free.